1: Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with, is that really in the Bible? Have you heard about the new socialism or the democratic socialism? If you haven't heard about it, you're going to hear a lot more about it. It basically says this, that in a modern wealthy nation, no one person should be too poor to live. Now, if you think about the morality of that statement, which I think is it's supposed to come across like that. You know, we are so concerned that about all the many different poor people in our society that no one person should be too poor to live. And the concept goes basically like this. If we just create equality among all people, we would be a better nation. No more rich people, no more poor people. Everybody is equal. In fact, just recently on Facebook, some nitwit posted a uh, comment, said, I want full communism communism, because I value a fair society. Let me repeat that. I want full, this was a, a lady holding a poster, probably at some college or school. I want full communism because I value a fair society. It's amazing to see that kind of insanity. You know, the ideology that killed more than 100 million people last century is now being praised at our university. And, you know, the problem is children today in school, public school, they're not taught history. And these people grow up and and, and then they go to college. And their liberal professors, probably some reject from the 60s, you know, is teaching that communism or socialism is the best form of government. You know, when you're not taught about history and you're not taught that, no, 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 all these other countries, all these other nations that tried socialism uh, ended up killing more than 100,000 million people, it didn't work. We've tried that before, been there, done that, and we're not going back. To this nonsense. Now when I consider some of these statements like like the new socialism or the democratic socialism that in a modern wealthy nation no one person should be too poor to live or I read a comment like um, I value you know communism because I value a fair society. I won't fool communism because I value a fair society. When you read that when you hear those statements on the surface it sounds sort of good, but the concept overlooks a major biblical principle, and I want to tell you what that principle is, and that is, because we are free to choose. Now, how do we know we're free to choose? Well, let's, let's pick up Genesis and begin to read. God created man in his image. One of the first things that you realize about the creation of man, when God created man, is that he created us a free moral agent with the ability to choose right from wrong. We are free to choose evil. We are free to choose the good. And that is because we are created free, not all people use their gifts and talents equally. You see, this is what the new socialism overlooks or the the democratic socialism overlooks. That yes, all men are created equal, but not all men use their gifts and talents equally. It's a matter of choice, you see. The United States Declaration of Independence says this, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yes, all men are created equal by God, But not all men use their gifts and talents equally. And because they don't use their gifts and talents equally, you have rich men, you have poor men, you have highly successful people, you have abject failures, you have people who will accept personal responsibility for their actions, and you have people who will accept no responsibility at all for their actions. Yes, the new socialism or the democratic socialism. Again, in a modern, wealthy nation, no one person should be too poor to live. You know, and the, 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 the ideology that is being promoted today is just that. We are so concerned that we want to create everybody equally. Equally, yes. Now, I just wonder what would happen Imagine this. You ought to try it sometime. If you walked up to a bum on Skid Row, living on the streets, and just began to peel off $100 bills and said, here, go get yourself cleaned up. Uh, go get a job. Go get a productive job. Uh, get back in touch with your family. Uh, find a good woman. Get married. You just kept peeling off $100 bills and said, said accept, and you told, him, told the bum, go accept full responsibility for your actions. He would probably look at you and say, what in the hell do you want from me? Keep your stinking money. I don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that there are some people that you cannot help? Why? Because all men are created equally. But not all people use their gifts and talents equally. Matthew 7 and verse 6 says this, Do not give that which is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and tear you. Well, you know, just recently, well, about a year ago, there was a, about, there was a church from where I live, probably about three miles down the road. It was a, a lady minister that served that church, and they had a guy coming there that, sort of a guy lived off the street, lived on the street, and very poor, and they were going to, the church was going to try to help this guy, and they had collected some money. The council had agreed to collect some money for this guy. They hadn't given him the money as of yet, but he got wind of it. This, this, this poor bum got wind that the church had set aside some money for him. For, and and she, he came to her house at night demanding that she, this minister, give him the money. And she said no. We're not giving this to you as of yet. Well, he turned and bludgeoned her to death. They said the crime scene was hideous. Blood all over the walls, blood on the ceiling, blood everywhere. He killed her. Now, what's my example? What am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say that there are some people that you cannot help. And you better have the wisdom to know the difference between who you can help and who you cannot help. Because if you approach this new socialism with the idea that no one person should be too poor to live, and you set out to try to help everybody who really doesn't want to be helped and who will not accept personal responsibility for their actions, you could get yourself killed. You could get yourself killed. Even though all people are created equal, you cannot make people use their gifts and talents. You cannot make people accept responsibility for their actions. That is a personal choice that a person has to come to on their own. And this is what the new socialism overlooks, totally overlooks. In Acts 2 and verse 44, I want to look at this because a lot of people have used this verse to try to prove the the concept of socialism. Acts 2 and verse 44 it says, And they all believed, and all that believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Now, this was something that the New Testament church did. They sold their possessions and distributed them equally. But this is a matter of choice. It was their free choice to do this. This was not the government uh, taking your money, your tax dollars, and distributing the, it among all people equally. No, 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 no. This was a personal decision that the New Testament church made. I mean, these people were high on God. I mean, it was, you know, the the early New Testament church, the power of Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit, and this is what they did. This was a choice that they did. But you can't use this, this scripture as an excuse or justifying socialism. No, this was not the government taking your money and distributing it, money, to people who do not want to work. No, no, no. Don't kid yourself in that area. Now, recently, on one of my videos, someone made a comment. It was it was a program I did. What must I do? And uh, it was about leading people, you know, evangelism and bringing people to a point where they ask the question, "What must I do?" In other words, when you're trying to help people in any area of their life, what you want to do is try to make that person come to a point to where they say, "Okay." What do I need to do about my situation? I'm in a mess. I'm broke. I'm poor. I'm unhappy. i got a bad, bad marriage or whatever. And i got children who are re- rebellious. You're, the key point is you try to bring those people to a point where they ask the question, okay, what do I got to do about my situation? That, that's true evangelism. That's true repentance. What must I do? Well, this person commented and said this. What must I do? Listen to this. Become poor and homeless. Leave your house houses, empty your bank account, and then only are you eligible to be called a disciple or a Christian. Now, when I read this, I nearly fell out of my chair. I thought, how could anybody be so dumb as to make a comment? I mean, just in other words, just quit and give up. You know. Yeah. I mean, when I was a teenager, we used to ride around to subdivision. And if we saw a beautiful home with the yard kept up nice and a flower garden and the grass mowed, it was an inspiration for me. I mean, I wanted it to be like that. I wanted it to have things like that. You know, I didn't think, well, just sell it all and get rid of it. No, no. Now, the revelation for me as I read this response was for the beggar on the street, this was a moral issue. Now, again, it's fascinating to see that how that people can incorporate their idiotic decisions and things that they do as a moral issue. But you've got to understand something about human nature. Even for Hitler, creating a superior race of people, killing three b- mi- billion Jew- million Jews or whatever, uh, um, it was a moral issue. It was creating a superior race. It was a moral issue. Don't ever forget that. People, no matter how dumb the idea is, it always goes back to, they try to turn it into a moral, an issue of morality. You know, tree huggers, hugging trees, well, we're trying to save the planet, okay? It's a moral issue for them. And it's fascinating to see that. And it's really a perverted type of righteousness. It's, and which is, that's what liberalism is. It's a perverted type of righteousness. Now, let's talk about what a Christian life is supposed to be all about. It's supposed to be about making life work. I mean, how do you hold down and find a good job? How do you find a great wife? You know, how do you rear your children? How do you get along with your family? We are to lead by example, don't you know? The Christian life is not about doing for other people what they will not do for themselves. That's not true Christianity. True Christianity is making people accept full responsibility for their decisions and actions, you see. Because this is what God wants. He wants for all of us to accept full responsibility for our actions and our stupidity also. Now let me give you some rules to live by from the Bible. 1 Timothy 5 and verse 8 says this, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. If you call yourself a Christian, you better be taking care of business at home. You better be taking care of your own family system first, and attending to their needs first, in education in spiritual matters, right versus wrong, in providing for your family. If you're not providing for your family, if you're not taking care of your own family system, don't call yourself a Christian. Second point, Ephesians 5 and verse 25. Husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. If you call yourself a Christian and you're not loving your wife in faithfulness, in taking care of her, in providing for her, in protecting her, protecting her spirit, protecting her emotions, whatever, don't call yourself a Christian, okay? If you're not doing this, if you're not loving your wife as Christ loved the church. Third point, 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 10. For even where, when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. If you call yourself a Christian and you're sitting on your, you know, on skid row somewhere looking for a handout from others, don't call yourself a Christian. If a man won't work, neither should he eat. If a man is not willing to work, don't call yourself a Christian. Okay? There is something you can do. I saw something on, I forget, it was a YouTube video about a, it was a, a boy over in another country. You wouldn't see in, see this in our country, but... I think he was missing one arm he was a brick mason i could relate to that because i do masonry work one arm and i mean this guy was amazing he was taking a shovel and and working with one arm shovel laying bricks and he he could work me under the table and i got two arms you know this, this was a little boy who did not let his handicap stop him it was amazing to see that absolutely amazing okay let's ask the question who does god bless who will god bless Let's look at Psalms 1:12 and verse 1. Praise ye the Lord, blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth, the generation of the upright shall be blessed. Verse 3 Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Notice this wealth and riches shall be in his house he's got a house how about that and not only does he have a house he's got wealth and riches in his house let's read it again wealth and riches shall be in his house and his righteousness endure forever you know in genesis one of the things that's absolutely amazing at the beginning of the bible god tells adam and eve he says i've given you this garden and i want you to dress and keep it keep it nice did you know in an inner city, that if you were just to let an inner city, if you did nothing for 100 years in an inner city, that it would, and you came back after 100 years, you wouldn't recognize the city. It would be all overgrown with weeds and bushes and trees, and you, it would look like a—well, not a ghost town, but it would look like a horror movie because it would be all overgrown. You have to take care of stuff that God gives you. Now, what are you going to dress and keep? If you don't have anything to dress and keep, God says, I want you to dress. I want you to take care of what you have. You see, your time here on earth is limited. It really is. And you have abilities. Every day you get up, you've got abilities that God has given you. You have responsibilities that God has given you. And I know a lot of people run from responsibilities. They hate responsibilities. But God wants you to pick up, pull pull your pants up, and accept responsibility. The ones God is going to grant responsibility in the kingdom of God are the ones who have been responsible, right now, here on earth. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a look at Matthew 25 and verse 15. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each according to his abilities, and he went abroad at once, he went away. Now, you know the story. The one who had five talents multiplied his abilities and talents. The one who was given two multiplied his talents and abilities. But then you have, you know, you have the guy who was just given one talent, one ability, and he was scared to use it. We're gonna come to that just in a minute. But God gives us opportunities according to our abilities. God does not place on us more than our abilities can handle. So, you know, I mean, think about it. You're telling me these people who have their little son, you know, will work for food, they have abilities? Oh, you better believe it. A lot of them are con artists, uh, and they take advantage of gullible, gullible Christians, believe me. <laughs> they really do. Uh, Matthew 25 and verse 24. Let's get to the story of the one who was given one talent. And he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter. And I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the earth and lo, you have what is yours. And his Lord answered and said to him, you evil and slothful servant. Word's slothful, it means lazy. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gathered where I did not scatter. Now, three things about this person. We're talking about you using your abilities. Okay. Number one, I was afraid. I was just afraid. Did you know a lot of people, failure is very common to us. You know, m- m- most of us, we're familiar with failure, that we're not afraid of failure. You know, we try and then we try again. Did you know a lot of people, a lot of us, are afraid to succeed? Yeah. The fear of success can be great. It really can't. What if this works? Well, if it works, that means I'm going to have more responsibility. Oh, yeah. The fear of succeeding can be great. So I was afraid. All right. Secondly, I went and hid your talent in the earth. What does this tell us? About people. Well, I will not accept accept personal responsibility for the things that you have given me. Oh, what a shame. God has given you so much. He has given you all these abilities, all these talents, and you hide it in the ground, and you walk away from it. Third, you evil and slothful servant. The third one is, you know, you're lazy. You're just too lazy. You, you, you spend too much time watching TV. Sitting on the couch. You're a couch potato. You know, you need to get with the plan. You need to get with the plan. You see, when you meet God, when we meet God, God is not going to ask you, well, how did your friends turn out? How did your relatives turn out? How did your family members turn out? God, God's not going to ask you about that. He's going to ask you one question. Why did you turn out the way that you turned out? He's going to look at, we're talking about the man or the woman in the mirror. This is the only person you have to answer for is you. God's going to say, Why did you turn out the way that you turned out? Now I want to look at two examples. One is an individual, the other is a group of people. We're going to look at how they use their abilities. Each these two people, groups, they, they use their abilities differently. First one is Hezekiah. 2 Kings 20 and verse 1. It says, And in those days was Hezekiah sickened to death, and the prophet Isaiah the son of Amos came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Oh my, what a, what a, what a message. Okay. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, Oh, I beseech you, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. And it came to pass, afore Isaiah was gone out in the middle of the court That the word of the Lord came to him saying, turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people. Thus says the Lord, thy God, the God of David and father, uh, the God of David, thy father. I have heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Behold, I will heal thee on the third day. You shall go up into the house of the Lord. And I will add, notice this, I will add 15 years. I'm going to add 15 years to your life. Now, there's another passage in 2 Chronicles 32 and verse 25 about this story about Hezekiah. And it says this, But Hezekiah rendered not again to the benefit done unto him. What was the benefit? Well, the benefit was that God added 15 years to his life. And it tells us that his heart was lifted up. And so, so God adds 15 years to his life, and he screwed it up. Now, we're talking about using your abilities. We're talking about the ability God gives to a man and how we use those abilities. You see, there are some people that you cannot help, even if you heal them and add 15 years to their life. They still mess it up. We're talking about using our abilities. Okay, now another story is Nineveh, the town of Nineveh. How did they use their ability? You know, God says, look, these are a wicked people. I'm going to go down there and destroy these people. And, you know, they weren't using their ability very well. And so God sends Jonah with a message, 40 days and Nineveh shall fall. And Jonah 3 and verse 5 says, So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest unto them to the least of them. For the word came into the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and ashes. And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he said he would do unto them. So here's the people. Once they were corrected, Jonah comes with a message, says 40 days and this place is going to fall. And the people use their ability to turn back to God, to repent of their sins. What a beautiful story. Two different stories. One, Hezekiah granted 15, God healed him and gave him 15 extra years. And his abilities, he didn't serve God. And here's the town of Nineveh, and they repented. What makes the difference? What makes the difference? For a man to look at himself and say, I'm going to use my abilities to, be, to stubbornly serve myself and rebel against God, or I'm going to use my ability to repent and turn back to God. You know, how are you using your abilities? You know, the new socialism assumes that all people use their abilities equally. Nothing can be further from the truth. All men are created equal, but not all men use their gifts and talents equally. You have, when it comes to overcoming sin, God has given you certain abilities. When it comes to serving God, God has given you abilities. When it comes to your work, your job, God has given you abilities. When it comes to success, when it comes to the trials you face in life, God has given you abilities. In Acts 1 and verse 8, I want to conclude with this. And you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Notice that. Power. Do you know what that word in power means? It means abilities. You know, maybe you don't know what your abilities are. It could be because you've never received the Spirit of God. This word means abilities. You shall receive abilities. And I want to leave you with this. Our greatest failures are the results of us not using our abilities. Our greatest successes is when we utilize all of our abilities. I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible?
0: Many people spend their whole life repeating the same old mistakes. What does it take to have good discernment and good judgment? It takes having the Spirit of God. But what many people overlook is The Spirit of God is not something that you are born with. Man was created incomplete, missing that spiritual element that would make him complete. The Bible clearly lays out the way to receive the Spirit of God. Learn the step-by-step process for receiving the Spirit of God. Order your free copy of Why You Need the Holy Spirit. Order by writing to Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at IsThatReallyInTheBible.org.